and welcome to episode 15 of Connected from Relay FM. This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Drafts, where text starts on the iPhone and the iPad, now easier and more powerful than ever. It's also brought to you by Studio Neat, makers of the Glyph, the Cosmonaut, and the Neat Ice Kit, and Dash, where you can create beautiful dashboards with just a few clicks. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Mike. And Mr. Federico Batigi. Hi, Federico. Hello, guys. So we're back together again as a, as a yeah. three. Uh, in Happy Stephen's Thanksgiving. Mind, uh, I guess so. In uh. Stephen's mind, this has been multiple weeks since we've all been together. <laughs> uh, I listened to last week's episode and heard the two of you discussing the fact that Stephen wasn't on the previous one when in fact he was. And that's my main piece of follow-up from last week's show. You're sitting there going, oh, St- yeah, Stephen, I wasn't on you... last week's episode. I'm like, yeah, you were. <laughs> Getting old is hard. <laughs> Stephen, do you have a... Do you have a a review of life now that you're old. I do. I've been testing life for almost three decades now. Mm. And it's, you like uh, it? it's kind of mean in places. Mm-hmm. Stephen, are mm. you ready to give thanks? Yes, Thanksgiving tomorrow mm-hmm. year in the in the um, world's greatest country, if you will. We don't celebrate it here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, time for family and friends and eating food that I was trying to explain to you guys earlier that sounds like when you, when you describe what the Thanksgiving meal is out loud, like you realize why everyone thinks of Americans as like fat, terrible people because it's terrible fattening food, but it's so good. On, on upgrade this week, Jason quizzed me about how much, uh, Jason Snell. You do another Mm -hmm. show? Uh, No, no, no. This is just a memory that I have. Uh, he quizzed me on how much I know about Thanksgiving, and I don't think I did very well. I know about the turkey. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm I think I'm actually an expert about Thanksgiving, even though I live in Italy. Like I watch a lot of TV shows where they have Thanksgiving, so I think I. I think I have an opinion on th- on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was saying that most of my. Um, most of the knowledge that I have about Thanksgiving <laughs> comes from Friends, like the TV show Friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, Friends the TV show, you mean, not just Friends in real life. Yeah, the Friends the TV show. You watch Friends, Mike. Uh, I, I have. Have you never seen Friends? You must. No, never. Oh. It's really old. You know, I don't like uh, to watch uh, like old stuff because it makes me feel old. I watched a lot of it whilst it was happening. Uh, yeah, no, I was too too young. I was thinking about Harry Potter and We're the Pokemon same age, buddy. We're the same age. No, really. <laughs> you, you age differently in the UK. I wouldn't disagree metric. with that, actually. <laughs> we get very old very quickly. But We're getting... It's, we, we had a bunch of sad moments already. We should, we should talk about happy stuff. Well, it's not as sad like as the when Macintosh you guys... Classic no, no, no. To equi- I'm not letting you go along yet. I need to just point out the fact that, again, again, you said that I died. <laughs> well, eventually, that, that will be... True, you know. One day it's gonna <laughs> oh, happen, and then you guys are gonna feel really bad about it. Yeah, you think it's true? I I do. I do think. The question is: so we need to deal with this. Relay doesn't have a successor if no. one of us dies. No, we should we should have a interesting relay testament, like the New Testament. <laughs> it will <What>? be newer. <laughs> you can send the emails to Mike. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's a interesting thing. No, we I really we we went longer than we normally do before we proclaimed your death. And when it happened, it was sort of accidental. But then it continued many, many times. Well, I mean, once you once you step over that line, uh-huh. there's no reason to go back. Like, just keep going. Let's do some follow up. The Macintosh Classic Two Aquarium. Perfect. Next is pretty awesome uh, by a listener of the show and friend of all humanity, Ryan M. Shares with these, and uh, you should check them out. And I kind of want to build one, so I might do that. We'll oh, see. this is really nice. It's cool, right? What type? Like of- I, would, I would actually buy a Mac for this. What type of fish would you keep in your uh, in your Mac- I think you, Macintosh? I think aquarium? you have to keep a beta. But he would just like sort of like crash into the walls accidentally sometimes. It's see, it's a it's a statement on the current state of Apple software in the fish that I picked. Stephen Hackett's one man show will be coming to a town near you. I'm an analyst. I've always <laughs> always been an analyst. Um, yeah, I was. I was you know what? You that. know what you should do, Stephen. You should start doing uh, posit tweets. Nope, not doing that. Jason Snell in the chat room. Apparently, the original uh, Mac Aquarium was by uh, Andy Inocto. Inocto. It's hard to say. Inocto. Agakaka. Um, and so there is a uh, an HTML document in the show notes. Federico, where are the show notes? <clears throat> <laughs> so. The show notes are um, a web page where you can find all the links and the stuff that we mentioned in the in the episode. And basically, like like the web works thanks to DNS, and DNS is basically a way to associate domain names with IP addresses from servers. So once everything is working correctly, you can use a web browser such as the the the, the WAP browser on your Nokia phone or you know, like one of those uh, internet navigators that you get in, in, in car entertainment systems. You can go to relay.fm, thanks to DNS, uh, slash uh, connected, slash 15, and you will find a link to the Macquarium, to, uh, you know, all the links that we talk about, and hopefully uh, many, many interesting things from the web. That is really one way of putting it. Thank you, Federico. Sure. It's good. That I, was I like my it. that was my, my, my posit. That was my posit. Thank you. Mike, can you talk about Android Wear? Uh not with any uh <laughs> any real knowledge. That's yes, fine. but I do know this is the case, um, and it's something that is, is brought up uh, uh quite a bit to, to us and many others. Um, when you guys were talking about the Apple Watch last week, uh, it is worth noting that Android Wear has offline GPS and an offline music player, so you don't need to be connected. Um, an offline music player could actually and probably is something that the Apple Watch will have via Bluetooth because you can store music on it. Why else would you store music on it if it's connected to the phone? Uh, but we don't know any more details about that yet. Um I until today forgot that I have an Android Wear watch, and uh, I'm happy to. <laughs> yeah, remember. it's one of those things that you buy while you're out. Like, uh-huh. um, I'm getting better at that now, by the way. Like um, you don't, you don't, you don't go uh, half conscious walking around buying stuff anymore. Not, not as much. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. 
I that's spent, good news, I think. I spent quite a bit of time last week, um, a lot of time, uh, upgrading my Nexus 5 to Android L. What's an Nexus 5? It's a, it's an Android phone. You know that. Okay. No, no, I really don't. Uh, that really? was an honest question. Like, like I you thought need... it was a... No, like I thought it was a, one of those tablets that Google used to do. That's the Nexus 7. Nexus 5. See, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? Because the number denotes the screen size. I thought it was the motto, you nope. know? Four inch. Thanks the four for was telling four inch, me. Five, five inch. The Nexus one was really tiny. I mean, the iPhone 5 is called the iPhone 5. It's not a five inch screen. Yeah, I know. It, because it's, the, in theory, it's the fifth iPhone. It's funny so, now that my Nexus 5, uh, the screen feels tiny. <laughs> Like this, this phone is minuscule. Uh, I spent so much time trying to do all the crazy things that you have to do and use the command line and all that sort of stuff, and I finally did it. And then was like, "Why did I do this?" And then just turned the phone off again. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I did it. It's a uh, rousing review of, of uh, Lollipop. It looks nice, but I don't really know what I'm attempting to get out of it. So I, I have it sitting on the desk. Uh, maybe I'll play, spend a bit more time playing around with it, but. And then maybe I, think you I can switch to Android again. I don't want to do it again. I think to fully enjoy uh, Lollipop, you gotta put on one of those fancy shirts that Matthias Duarte has. I only wish I could pull off shirts like his, like the way that he does. I bet Federico yeah. can. Yeah, I bet. I don't. Can. I don't have one of those. Uh, I'm gonna. Shirts. I'm gonna get Matt Alexander to find a shirt like that, and then I'm gonna ship it to you along with the Nexus phone, and then you can com- you can conduct the experiment. To me, was yeah. this some sort of punishment? No, no, just an experiment. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of weird, but okay. Homescreen.is. Can I, can I talk about this? Can I talk about this? was my, my, my link. I would like um, you to talk about it very much. So people, it turns out that people really like to take a look at other people's home screens. And there's a new service by Betaworks, you know, the company that has many, many apps and services such as Instapaper and Dig. And now they have this website called uh, called homescreen.is, um, and it, it's also an iPhone app that lets you um, uh, share your iPhone's home screen. And what's nice is that when you when you share this uh, screenshot, um, they do some sort of um, analysis on the image, and they recognize the apps that you that you have installed. And when you go to the web page, you can click the icons, and it, and it shows you a description. Of the of the app, so when you when you take a look at other people's home screens, you can you can see links to to the actual apps that they use. This is nice, but there's a problem. Um, the problem is the status bar, um, <laughs> and the problem is that uh, the app doesn't clean the status bar like uh, like I. I mean, it's not just me anymore because uh, Apple on, on OS X Yosemite they they do clean the status bar when you when you do a screen recording of an iOS device with quick quick time. So the I mean, obviously it is clear that at this point that the clean status bar is the way to go, and this uh, home screen service doesn't clean the status bar. So when you when you go to the home page and you and you um, browse the gallery of home screens, uh, you see all these um, mess of, uh, you know, uh, low battery indicators and low signal or per- perhaps some weird carrier name. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really sad. Uh, it's like walking around in a cemetery, I think. Um, <laughs> of, of what? Of status bars. Okay. 
I like how it's like this is a real problem. I, I think mainly this is a problem uh, for you. I think this. I think no, nobody is more no affected. Really. Well, there must be some some engineer at Apple who thought that you know the, the status bar was a real problem too. So hopefully, my soulmate is working on the QuickTime uh, team at Apple. <laughs> Whatever, whatever you are, I don't know. Whoever you are, you're 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 um, you're a great person. They're Quick in tune. Time engineer. They're yeah. totally in tune with you. Yeah. How do, how does everybody feel about this home screen? Uh, this is service? a real this is a real problem, Stephen. I, I cannot believe that you that you don't agree with me. I I do agree with you, but I mean, maybe you're home not as passionate. Two point you can't you can't launch the perfect product. You have to improve it, and maybe that's how they improve it. It is a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool app. I mean, yeah. I have I have noticed. So if you haven't seen one of these, and maybe I can put ours in the show notes. But um, you like click on it, and it has the apps that people have on their phones. But it gets it wrong sometimes. Like it's pretty good, but sometimes it gets it a little weird. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting, looking through these on their homepage, is how many like these are jailbroken. Like on the home on their homepage right now, out of the twelve, it looks like at least two, maybe three, are jailbroken. Just a little surprising to me. But um, I used to jailbreak all the time. So did I. Never. A long yeah, time ago. Never did it. Ah, uh, that's not true. Come on, Mike. No, I've never jailbroken an iPhone. Really? It's just yeah. It's just us and several tens of thousands of people. You can tell the truth. And I don't know why I would have done it. For so the, you're saying for that, the you, you, that you use the terminal to do Android stuff and you never jailbroke your iPhone? I jailbroke uh, an iPod Touch. Okay, so we're getting some sort of truth out of you. But I never jailbroke. Why would I have, why would I have, done, why do you guys do it? Why did you do it? <laughs> I had no reason to do it. <laughs> it was fine. Leave me alone. Well, I really I, liked I all the, the tweaks. The, yeah. Customize stuff, you know. Right. Like I, I, I was. Um, of course. I mean, this is obvious in 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 hindsight. Um, there used to be a, a tweak called um, activator. Um, that at some point it it allowed you to like launch URLs from anywhere, from the copy and paste menu. As a as a shortcut. Huh. Yeah, that that, that was uh, one of my favorite tweaks. Like it added uh, custom options to the copy and paste menu, which I believe will will come eventually uh, as extensions, hopefully next year. But that's another discussion. Um, yeah, I used to I used to jailbreak, and I used to be like like the go to guy for my friends when it when it came to the jailbreak. Like people would come to me and ask for a jailbreak. How did you How did you do it? Did you go for all the crazy apps and stuff? I remember there was one. The one that I did was when you could just go to a web page. Yeah, there were there were a couple of those. Yeah, uh, yeah, I cannot remember the names right now. Uh, one of them was like um, ice uh, something. I think I I see uh, no maybe I don't know. It was a long time ago, uh, back when. Uh, what's the name of the guy who, who got a uh, in a in a in a dispute with Sony? Uh, Jehot. You remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the hacker. Who, yeah, that was a long time ago, man. Come on, this this is uh, making me feel sad. George, we, we, should, we should move Holtz. on. That's yeah, his name. that's the guy. He's twenty five. Yeah, jeez, yeah. he's genius. Yeah. Anyways, 
I have literally Mike? no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't know what's going on today. Mike, we have a store. We do have a store. There is an official Relay FM store now where we're selling stickers and, and T-shirts. Um, we've had many people say over the, the course of Relay FM's life that they would like to support us in some way. This is a way to do that. Um, you can go and buy stickers of your favorite shows and you can buy uh, T-shirts of your favorite podcast network. Um, and we hope to keep... Well, the plan is to keep the store uh, ongoing. Um, so if so, basically, we were thinking about adding all sorts of uh, different types of merchandise throughout the future, show shirts and other types of fun things. Um, so I hope that you go there and, and you buy some stuff and, and make us all very happy. Can I have a relay scarf? We can, we can definitely add that to the list of things to look at. Cool. Thanks. No problem, buddy. That would be pretty sweet, though, actually. Yeah, like like the like the scarf guy from the uh, iPhone six keynote. One of those kinds of scarf, you know. I oh, think I forgot about that guy. I think we've missed the time to sell scarves. No, why? It's a it's a there's a winter. Now. Yeah, but I don't know if we could get it designed and made and, and ready oh, in time. Uh, yeah. We might have to mm-hmm. wait, and we can start we can start um, brainstorming some scarf ideas in the summer, um, and then mm-hmm. we can have them ready for for the. Uh, fall winter collection 2015 or we could have like connected uh swimsuits we def- for- yeah we could start working on those now yeah yeah okay we could we'll cool. look at that very nice very nice so yeah go store.relay.fm go and buy some cool stuff uh, i'm sure that you're going to love it yeah otherwise mike is going to be upset i will so. be very sad actually so please go buy stuff yeah. with money you don't want to be sad do you? on the web. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We don't. We don't want you to be sad, Mike. No. Never. You're like the happiest person I know. So <laughs> please never be sad. I'll try. I will try. I will try my best. Do you know what makes me happy, guys? Um, the Queen. The Queen, and also Drafts by Agile Tortoise. <laughs> Drafts is the quick and easy way to capture and share text on iOS, and it is one of the most popular productivity apps on the App Store. And it's gone to a whole new level in Drafts for Federico. Yes. Would you please be able to explain to our listeners what Drafts is and why it's the best? It is an awesome app if you want to quickly enter any kind of text and save it. And by save, I mean whether you want to save it just into the app or whether you want to send it to any other uh, app on your phone or iPad or on the web. So basically, Drafts lets you create all these actions. And actions can be something simple as uh, take this text and do a Google search for this text. Or you can you can say, take this, this text and um, make a tweet out of it, or maybe make a tweet and then post it to Facebook at the same time. So you can do this basic stuff, but the real power of drafts is, um, is in the in the way that it lets you create actions that have multiple steps. So you can, for instance, connect multiple apps together and create these complex actions that when you when you when you start combining those with the fact that you can write in markdown in drafts and that you can have these custom keys above the the iOS keyboard uh, it basically becomes a, a, a really powerful solution to enter text and make it go anywhere 
Um, it is one of my most used apps on my on my iPhone or my iPad. I use it all the time to just save text and forget about it. And later I can do stuff with that text. For example, when I when I want to create a new a new task in Todoist, which is um, uh, the to-do management app that I've been using lately, I just open drafts and I just type the name of my task. Um, then on another line, I type the, the, the due date of the task. And with an action, I just need to tap a button and it opens the Todoist app and all the information is already filled for me. And I just need to tap save and the task is saved. So this is just an example of the kind of, I think, uh, flexibility that Drafts has. There's a whole <laughs> uh, there's a whole layer of advanced Drafts, drafts functionality that, I, I mean, it's too much to go into detail uh, right now. Um, it, I think I think the best part is that drafts can, is a simple app, and it can remain a simple app. And even when you want to unlock all the advanced features, it still is a simple app that you just need to open and, and type. Because at the very basic level, you just need to tap the icon and save text. So that's really. I, I think it is a when you when you can make a powerful app but still make it remain simple. That's a that's a, you know, good feature. <laughs> I good, couldn't good have design. Said, thank you, Federico. I couldn't have said any of that better myself. You should go right now to agiletortoise.com slash drafts to find out more, although really Federico has, has told you everything you're ever going to need to know, and you should already be rushing to the App Store where you can search for Drafts 4. It's available on the iPhone and the iPad. It's universal now and looks fantastic on all of the screen sizes. It's optimized for the 6 and 6 Plus, and it looks great. So go right now and get it. Thank you so much to Agile Tortoise and Drafts for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected and helping support Relay FM. So, guys, what do we have on the dock today? Uh, I have a little small topic that I want to talk about. Please, tell us all. I would love to. It's a, I save this as topic 0 0.5, as in it's a really uh, peculiar and quick um, mention. Um, so, I tweeted yesterday that I was looking for an iOS version of Image Optim. So, Image Optim is this crazy, magical a powerful Mac app that basically takes any image and it makes it smaller, not in terms of uh, size, but in terms of file size. So like uh, how many megabytes or kilobytes it weighs. And I use this app all the time on my Mac mini server to optimize the images that I use on Mac stories. So instead of being like two megabytes, uh, it's like one megabyte and the quality is uh, most of all, you know, it's in general, it, it's the same quality of the image. It's just smaller because it uses uh, algorithms and magic, I think, to <laughs> optimize files. Uh, so for me, that's a, that's a, that's huge because it lets me save money uh, uh, in CDN costs. So now that I've been using the iPad Air to every day, I basically don't use my MacBook anymore. I only open my MacBook to talk to you guys. I don't have an I don't have an iOS version natively on 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 the iPad of Image Optim, and I asked yesterday because I was hoping that uh, actually I ask this every couple of months. Um, I was hoping that maybe in the in the past few months uh, somebody came up with a with an iOS uh, version of Image Optim. Uh, turns out that it's not possible because um, um, 
licensing problems uh, with the GPL. I never actually understood what it means to have an open source GPL license, uh, but it, it, it appears that, that it's not possible to, to get uh, open source software with this kind of license into the App Store. So there's no image opt-in for the, on the App Store, so I started looking for a solution. I thought that maybe I could um, optimize, the, optimize my images in Python uh, using Pythonista. Um, I kind of I kind of came up with something uh, I wasn't super satisfied because the savings that I was getting uh that they were not as uh, as significant as uh, you know using image optim on my Mac mini. So I gave up on replicating the that kind of workflow in in Pythonista and after much consideration which means uh, you know just a a uh, couple of cups of coffee uh, after dinner. I decided <laughs> that I wanted to to keep using Image Optima on my Mac Mini server because that was the best way. But I wanted to change um, the kind of workflow that I, that I have on my iPad. So now I cannot talk about the specifics because the, the app that I'm using is uh, not out yet. So let's say that I, hypothetically I have nice. uh, this way to automate the 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 iOS eight. Uh, document picker and the iOS 8, um, like the document picker when it lets you uh, open files and when it, when it lets you save files. Um, so uh, uh, now, right now I'm using the, this sort of workaround. Um, using the native iOS document picker, I uh, pick an image from the camera roll. Using the same picker, I put the, 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 the image with a clean status bar and convert it back to JPEG into the Dropbox app using the Dropbox document extension. On the Mac Mini, Hazel <laughs> um, basically opens Image Optim. Image Optim uh, optimizes the image in like a second and it puts the file into another Dropbox folder. Into this workflow on the iPad that I have, another document picker comes up. It lets me it lets me take um, the optimized image from the Dropbox uh, document extension, and then I use this new app that is called DropShare, which is basically the app that I was waiting for uh, that lets me upload screenshots natively to the Rackspace uh, Cloud Files CDN, and all this back and forth, and 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 it, it means that in like five seconds, I have my image uh, with a clean status bar, thanks to Dr. Drang and to the cl clean bar uh, script that he put together last year. I, ha I have an image with a clean status bar, converted to JPEG, optimized on the Mac Mini with Image Optim, and uploaded natively on iOS uh, to Rackspace using DropShare, and I have a link to the image in my clipboard. So I'm happy about this. Is that, could as be better? is that as fragile as it sounds? <laughs> no, I, 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 that was my concern as well. The only problem, so yeah, it's kind of fragile, uh, but it could be worse. And it, I think it's, uh, it's more stable than what I used to have. Um, basically, for Mac Stories, we, we wrote this custom script that uploaded files from Dropbox to Rackspace. And it and was very... Uh, prone to crashing or just hanging for some reason. Uh, now this is better because it's, I mean Hazel with Dropbox it, that's not the problem. 
the problem is it is the document picker on iOS, uh, which sometimes crashes, and just for some reason it like it it stops receiving any any input. So the problem is not the server side, surprisingly, um, because Image Optimum Hazel are super stable. I I. Uh, you know, I don't have any problem with those. I tested with many, many images overnight, like a hundred screenshots. Uh, the problem was always the document picker, which sometimes just hangs on my iPad. So I need I to do hope, restart. I do hope you the see app. the irony of trying to move away from a Mac to get your yep. work done. And instead yep. it requires a Mac in a data center <laughs> yep. to do this. I know, I know. The pro- but see, the problem is that I actually I was prepared for this for this uh, sort of remark, Stephen. Uh, the problem is that there's no developer who's coming out with a, with a, with an image optimizer for the iPad because the, because they think that uh, nobody would ever optimize images on the iPad. Uh, so that, that that's not my fault, you know. Um, I mean, I would pay so much money for that. What about something like a- um, like Pixelmated? Is that not does that not do anything like this? No, the, it doesn't have the kind of optimization that that image optimizes, and I don't know what's the deal with. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is the the, the world of open source licenses kind of messy? It, because can't. it seems to me, it seems to me that every once in a while there's a case of an app that's based on some sort of open source license, like VLC. Uh, mm-hmm. which is not on the App Store anymore because of the, these GPL whatever issues. No, it's I back just, now. I, they, they fixed it. It's, it's back? back. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of room for interpretation in some of those systems. There were some of those documents, you know, some of those documents. Um, so what, what, besides, like, crazy things like you just talked about, like, what's left for you on the Mac? Podcasting? Podcasting, uh, mm, QuickTime screencast recording. Uh, yeah, because that's one that's just like become yeah. even better, isn't it, on the Mac? So it makes it even yeah. harder to move away because it's just become like perfect. Yeah, it's basically perfect on the Mac right now. Yeah, uh, QuickTime lets you lets you record uh, your iOS devices screen, and there's no alternative on iOS. Not if you want to use a native app, not if you want to do some server-side stuff like I did with the Mac Mini. There's, like, no solution. Um, so uh, podcasting, screencasts, uh, GIF generation, uh, the obvious ones, uh, backups, um, betas on iTunes for, with iTunes and the Finder, uh, you know, uh, these are the big ones, I think. I still um, can't believe that, that for, for everything I can find, there doesn't seem to be any good app on iOS at the moment that can take like burst images or just a selection of images and turn them into a GIF. I cannot understand how that Yeah, because exist. there's no there's no burst mode for screenshots. <laughs> That's something that I was thinking I mean, about. Yeah, well just, even if you manually made them, there's not a way to stitch them into a GIF. Like, well I, I have a way. Well <laughs> yeah, you but have a data center. It's probably like a data center and a, all kinds of no, craziness. It's a, it's an app that it's a it's workflow. It's coming up soon. Yeah but you are very lucky. <laughs> Everybody no, else. Everybody will be lucky soon. Okay, but like <laughs> my understanding is, there is actually a a API an API now for taking burst mode and outputting them as a GIF. Like that yeah. is something that somebody told me for once. Photos. And, yeah, but yet nobody's taking advantage of of this and making an app, which people would pay for. I think. Yeah. So 
I think it sounded really, really complicated. Uh, the the stuff that I that I did for for the image uploads on iOS, I just want to say that it that it is much, much better than what I used to have. And even if there's a, a bunch of steps involved, um, I'm really happier about the result because um, the previous solution which I used for uh, two years now. It, it, it worked for two years, but it was super <laughs> uh, crashy. And this one, if Apple if Apple manages to fix the the document picker crashes, uh, which occur uh, just randomly, not all the time, uh, it is much better. I'm 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 happier. I'm faster now thanks to to this. And Dropshare, uh, the the new app, I, I I'm so I'm so 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 happy about it. I told Stephen, I think, or Mike. Uh, about my 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 level of happiness with with this app, uh, it's got an, an extension to upload to Rockspace to from anywhere. Which it's really I'm I'm so glad <laughs> that this uh, app exists. So yeah, that was my uh, subtopic about images, iOS, clean status bars, um, working on the iPad. So you guys can keep on making fun of me. No, I. I... I, when when you were explaining your, the way that you do that stuff with Image Optim, uh, one thing that I didn't get to say that I wanted to say is that I love you. Uh, that was it. Like, <laughs> I, the, oh, thanks. This that level of 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 like insane geekery, like in the nicest possible way. Like there is something so incredibly admirable about that. Like I just would not have the patience. I I couldn't. I couldn't go through working out how to do something like that. I think it would it would drive me to distraction. Uh, like I I don't know if I'd be able to take it. But I love that you do it, and and you, you're like a, mm. you're like a trailblazer, Federico. You're setting the path. Yeah, thank you. I don't know. See, I I, I have a very I think uh, at least I think I, I'm this way. I think I have a very practical approach to automation. Like I don't. I used to do automation just for the fun of automation. Now for the past year, I think, especially. Uh, I've been doing, you know, scripts and automated stuff only if it's really useful and makes me um, makes me uh, more uh, makes me faster and basically earn more money. So, for instance, I, I have all um, this workflow for MacStories deals. Uh, and I showed you, Mike, the, yep. the result. Um, it lets me gather uh discounts from the app store in a second and sure it took me an afternoon to put together the the latest update to the workflow i've been working on it for the past uh, 12 months uh but the result is that i'm you know my 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 uh the links with max stories deals they happen so quickly i uh, i used to do all this stuff manually and now it takes me just a couple of seconds um so yeah i think automation in general it's it's um, like when it, when it's practical, when it, when it has a real benefit, when it's not just a demonstration. Uh, I think it's more fun, you know, when you see the result. And as well, talking about the document pickers, um, I mean, this seems to kind of been like not that great an output in the end because of the bugs that that are there. Like, does anybody know if Dropbox is ever going to actually appear? It and work. I mean, it's, it shows, but it doesn't work, right? Is that still the what case? Do you, what do you What do you mean? It doesn't work. Well, I mean, in well, maybe it might be fixed now. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention. 
But it was like, say, for example, you'd open pages and you'd go to the document picker and Dropbox would be a selection, but it didn't let you select Dropbox as a as one of the iOS 8 document pickers. Am I, am I very late on this? Has this been fixed now? No, no, no. I, 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 you know that people were complaining about that. I haven't checked in pages lately so because I'm, I don't use pages. I'm in pages now. Yeah, so I select it from the from the list. So I turn it on. But it doesn't show up. I know this is also a problem with Google Drive, I think. Yeah, it's also I think it's also So the way that I'm using it, it lets me um pick an image and it lets me export an image to Dropbox. I think it is kinda annoying that you need to change the location in the document picker every time. You cannot set the document picker to open in Dropbox mode uh by default. You need to tap on the location button in the top left and change from iCloud to, drop, to Dropbox. Hopefully next year that will be a default setting. So maybe this is the an iWork apps problem that I'm referring to as opposed to a Dropbox problem. Hey, Probably. Hey. Probably. Man, iWork, huh? <laughs> is that... We should try it in the cloud. <laughs> no. can, we, can we skip to the next topic, please? We can talk about our, our friends at Studio Neat. That's what we can do. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Tom and Dan at Studio Neat. They are a design company with just those two employees, and they make cool stuff with the aim of making your life that little bit more delightful. I'm a huge fan of the products that these guys make because they make really great stuff, and I want to talk to you about the Glyph today. The Glyph is an accessory that lets you mount your iPhone to a tripod or prop it up at an angle like kickstand so you could maybe watch a movie on the plane or something but the glyph the new version of the glyph um can actually fit any phone it's now adjustable so no matter how big or small your phone is you will be able to fit it into the glyph so you can attach it to a tripod and take some fantastic photos the glyph is something that ends up being useful in a ton of situations um, especially with all of the new photo and video apps that keep appearing these days and the great cameras on the iphone 6 and 6 plus is something that just gets more and more useful and it's a great gift for anyone who's getting a a new iPhone this holiday season. Now, Tom and Dan have suggested a couple of things that you can do with your iPhone uh, over the holidays this year. So you could maybe take some family portraits. So you're not the person always left out of the pictures. So like, where is Stephen? He's never in the pictures. Well, it's because he's usually taking them. But now you can mount your iPhone to a tripod and use the glyph and take advantage of the timer feature that's in the camera app to make sure you get the perfect shot. Maybe you could prop your phone up and take a time-lapse video of all the chaos of wrapping paper being torn apart on Christmas morning when your family are opening gifts. It seems like the perfect thing to airplay to the TV later that day, like that kid did in the Apple app many years ago. Or you could use, um, you could set your glyph up in front of the fire and create some beautiful slow-mo video in the evening if it's something you'd like to do. With the glyph and some nifty apps at your disposal, your phone can do so much more than just take still photos and videos. And talking about apps, Studio Neat make their own app. It's called Slow Fast Slow. It makes your slow-mo videos even cooler, and it's now free on the App Store. So head on over to studioneat.com, check out the Glyph, check out Slow Fast Slow, and all of the other cool stuff that these guys make. And whilst you're there, you can get a 10% off anything at studioneat.com if you use the code CONNECTED at checkout. They have some great stuff there. They have some great gifts for the holiday season. Uh, Studio Neat are a great company, and we thank them very much for supporting this week's episode of Connected and helping us out at Relay FM. You know how we make fun of Mike for buying things? Yeah. <laughs> now it's now it's, it's you. Turn. Now it's me. What did you buy, Stephen? I bought a Pebble. 
Now? Yeah. We talked about this, how I might do it, and I did it. Oh, because of the experiment to understand um, wearable devices better. Well, the, so the idea was to see if, in particular, wrist notifications, if those were, like, helpful. So, mm-hmm. a little history, I backed the Pebble on Kickstarter, got it, and reviewed it in March 2013, was not very kind to it. Um, but it has come a long way. iOS, the way notifications work in iOS has come a long way. I still have many, many complaints, which we might get to. But since, I guess since Friday, put it on Friday, I have been wearing it every day, all day, and getting, making my wrist vibrate when things happen on my phone. Mm-hmm. Right, so has your wrist fallen off yet? It's still there. Point so, number one uh, is you should just turn the vibrate motor off. As a, as a a veteran Pebble user, that's what I'm claiming myself to be now. It's it's better to just have that off and just you actually tend to notice the the light come on on your wrist. Um, if you don't see it, you probably don't want to see it. So the vibrate motor kind of just gets in the way. That would be my suggestion. Like just just turn it off and keep it off. Yeah, I've been using it so far, just as it is out of the box. Uh, I, there have been a couple of times as I'll talk about in a second where I've uh, turned it to like phone call only, but I so far have been running it just as God intended it out of the box. And I feel just objectively that I have a lot fewer notifications coming to my phone than most people. And it's still going off all the time. And it's annoying. So, uh, to some degree. I think the vibrate would help. And I think maybe starting on Friday, I'll I'll make that change and run it for a week that way. But for now, just as it is out of the box, it's really a lot of things going on. Well, it depends what notifications time. you have on. If it's going off all the time and that's a problem, then either the issue, I think, will be you will feel a lot better if it's not vibrating. The other will be maybe you still have too many notifications turned on if you think it's too much for you. Yeah, and I, I've whittled my notifications down on iOS to like critical stuff. But a good example of something that I do is I have a couple like messaging apps. They only allow them on my phone to change the badge, and they can't make sound and they can't light up the screen. But if I open, if I unlock my phone, hey, you know, it's got a badge on it. I need to check it out because iOS. Notification controls are really simple, and Pebble is sort of like bolted onto the back of that. Even a notification that increases the badge count pushes to the watch, like with the message, which is a little frustrating. And hopefully, I'm really hoping the Apple Watch gives us better, like deeper controls of that sort of thing. Like, it'd be great on the watch. Like, currently in iOS, you can change notification badge, banners, and pop ups, and I think sound. Like, I would love for like send to Apple watch be an option in there. I think a trade-off could be that notifications could be tied to a VIP. So like anytime my wife sends me a text message, send that to my wrist. But if you know, like random person sends me one that doesn't, so we'll see, we'll see how that turns out with the watch. Yeah. Cause I remember I noticed Instagram notifications. I didn't really pay attention to them previously because they don't make sound, they don't buzz, like they just were in notification center. Um, and that was when I turned them off when I got my pebble. So like, oh, it's notifying me, like in a different way. So that's the thing, like the pebble can't can't see your notification settings. So it as you say, like 
it treats all notifications the same. Oh, that's insane. Because there's no, there's no way it can do it. The, the support isn't oh. there in iOS to send that information. So you just keep getting all the notifications? Yep. Yeah, that's... Um... I hope the the Apple Watch will have a setting like Steven said. Otherwise, that's crazy. I think at a minimum it needs to observe the same settings, right? Yeah. So, like if if you only have a badge count, you probably the watch shouldn't ever be notified. Like, or maybe if you want to to have a, no, a notification just on your Apple Watch, but not on the iPhone. Yeah. Like there should be just a toggle, like Steven said. I would like to think that there will be a companion app, which like like what Google have for for the. Android Wear stuff where you can where you can trick some of that out. Like I, I don't think it should be like it, I should have to change my no, my phone's notification settings to change the watch notification settings. So it should just be like a bridge between them, and I can pick what I want and how I want it to, to be displayed. I think that works right. a, a lot better. But I, really though, we when I before I turned the vibration off, I felt very much like how you did. Um, first, it enabled me to remove a lot of the notifications that I actually didn't need to receive, like Instagram notifications. It's just not something that's important in any way, really, to me. Um, so I turned those off because I kind of didn't really notice them. Um, but turning the vibrate motor off really, really helps because the, the light can catch your eye on, on the watch, which is fine for me, really, because I can then kind of choose to ignore it or whatever. But having it, having it, notify me if I vibrate I'm not sure about so like I'm also not sure about it with the Apple Watch too because I actually find it kind of kind of frustrating and distracting especially because the phone will also vibrate so if the phone's in your pocket you're getting a vibrate on the leg and a vibrate on the wrist and typically the it's like a party the pebble is 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 slightly behind with receiving mm-hmm. the notification so like you <laughs> yeah. feel it on the wrist and then, so feel it in your pocket and then feel it on the wrist it's, it's like kind zip, of like zip. Ah. Yeah. yeah so that can it's be very exciting annoying. It's very, uh, it's very exciting. I will say what you said about notification or uh, distraction, excuse me, is is interesting. I've had a couple times where it's gone off and I'll glance at it, and to me, I know that I'm just like looking at an incoming notification, but to other people, it's like I'm checking my watch, which is considered rude in like meetings. <laughs> uh, in fact, I had someone this. Thankfully, it was not a work meeting. It was this weekend with somebody, just talking with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, do you need to go?" And I was like, "Oh no, I'm." And like, what do I do? Like, do I explain that I'm checking like a text message from Mike on my watch, or do I just be like, oh no, I'm good. I was just checking the time. Like, do you explain who Mike is? No, everybody. I just well, I wear a shirt with Mike's face on it all the time, so people just just know <laughs> that you need what but you need to what you'll get. I mean, this is what I have now. So, like, if I'm if I'm sitting around a table with somebody, I have like a if I want to, like, I have a specific place that I can put my wrist and kind of glance at it. Like, you end up learning like the the skills, the, the 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 stealth skills for checking your Pebble Watch. Mike, you don't have meetings anymore. Yeah, I do. Where? I have uh, meetings with people. They're just not in an office environment now. Mm-hmm. I have okay. it's it's mainly lunches, lunches and uh, parking lots, but I'm just picking up the things that Casey puts there. Yeah, so I feel like the... Um, maybe you guys remember this when you got your first iPhone. You know, I was a very early iPhone adopter, and it it was kind of a big deal to like pull it out in a crowd of people because people would ask to see it. And like, I felt very self-conscious about it almost to a point where like, I felt like I'm going to pull this out of my pocket and I'm going to get mugged. Right. Like it, it was sort of a situation where society hadn't caught up to the technology. And I think 
the smartwatches are definitely still in that phase, right? Like some people have them, like the fact that I have it on at work at a company that exists on the internet, like I'm with designers and developers all day. It's not a big deal. Some other people have pebbles, but like this weekend at Thanksgiving, right? Like if someone notices it lighting up, they're going to be like, what, what is happening over there? Like so much so that I actually have thought about like wearing my regular watch to family stuff this weekend, just so not to draw attention to it. No, try it. See what happens. I don't know. I probably will. But even like at home, right? So like at home, like at the dinner table, it lights up and like my son is like, Oh, what's happening? You know, like, cause he's attracted to everything that lights up and makes noise. But it's, it's sort of that gap between like nerds are doing this weird little thing and it's weird from the outside and sort of, could be perceived as rude in certain circumstances where like in a year, if the Apple watch is successful, people aren't going to think twice about it because a bunch of more people are doing it. So like, I haven't felt that people, that people don't really see the pebble and think that it's a weird thing if it's just the watch face because it just looks like a digital watch. Like, it just looks like a whatever. It's a digital watch. Yeah, but, but I you quite... got the steel. I think the steel helps with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I bought the the cheap, ugly, black plastic one, and, like, it looks weird. Like Yeah, it doesn't look... It looks like something else. Like, it, it doesn't look like a watch. It, it kind of looks like a weird thing. Or, like, it's like a watch, but it's, like, a super weird watch. Like, why have you got that weird watch? But anyway, like, what but what I do notice, though, is and what makes me feel self-conscious at times is sometimes you'll be sitting talking to someone and your wrist lights up and you see them look at it. Like, I've caught people, like, reading it. I, this was much worse with the uh, Android watch because it was actually more readable because it was bright and colorful, but... Um, I see people that look at it and they can see them look at it and I like kind of turn my wrist a little bit because I don't know yeah. what you guys are saying to me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't want you to show my heartbeat to anyone else. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a Inspector Gadgets watch. Yeah. You guys remember? Yeah. The, I, the, I wish I could pull a little aerial out of it or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stephen, are you using any apps? Uh, I've got one that does weather and I have a timer app that's it only the two so i found that over time i use none of them yeah the the weather like i kind of did it to see what the experience of loading an app was and it's not super great like the pebble still suffers from like it's sort of got rough edges in the software and it all works like i didn't have any problems installing an app but it was like i go into the pebble app and like i can only have like what is it five or seven things loaded on the phone at once um but it's, you know, the weather one is like, it's kind of clever. And I've shown that as sort of an example of people ask me like what, you know, people who know I'm doing it. That's kind of the one things I show them. It's like, oh, it pulls this from my phone, but you know, I can just click a couple of buttons and do it. Um, but it's weird. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it for, I'm going to do it for the remainder of the, of the 30 days and kind of see if my thoughts change. But currently like the idea is really interesting. I think risk notifications could be really useful but you have to have like complete control over the way they work. And right now with iOS and the pebble, you don't. Uh, Risk notifications have become a thing that has become uh, pretty critical. Isn't the word, but it's extremely important for me now that I wouldn't, uh, that I, I, I like that experience so much that I wouldn't want to go back from it. Um, and I know that there are going to, well, I feel that there might be things about the the way that I'm used to it on the Pebble, which will be interesting to get used to it on the Apple Watch. Like, for example, when the when the when uh, when my phone is in Do Not Disturb, I still receive notifications on my Pebble. 
that's actually something that I personally like because uh, most of the time when my phone's in Do Not Disturb, it's because I'm recording so my phone's not buzzing. But if something crazy is happening then I, and the pebble starts going off, then I can glance at it to see if it's something that needs to be dealt with. I'm going to assume that, that, as you would think logically, that the Apple Watch will probably observe Do Not Disturb on the phone. I think so. I would imagine so. You know, so there's there's like, it's just interesting. I, I, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I think it's just going to be interesting for me to make that transition now because I'm so used to the Pebble um, having used it for as many months as I've used it. Yeah, I, I will say that even after just a week, I'm more interested in the Apple Watch than I was before. Like, seeing what the, how far the Pebble has come in a year and a half since it's been out and kind of seeing where those holes are where you can you can imagine what Apple could do because they control the whole stack you know the pebbles riding on top of what iOS does they don't have any special hooks it's really compelling to see you know kind of how they flesh some of this stuff out and it seems like maybe we you know 2014 is almost over so hopefully we don't have too far into 2015 before we know a lot more but I do know, having used the Pebble for the time that I've used it, that I will be buying an Apple Watch um, as soon as I possibly can. You will? Yeah, I will definitely. Because I think from just on a base level, it's going to have everything that I that I like about the Pebble. And it's going to have a lot more. Um, my only concern will be battery life. So how have you found the battery life on the Pebble? It was about 60% when it came out of the box on Friday. And I charged it for the first time two nights ago, so Monday night. But but it was only at like twenty percent. I just did it because I was sitting at my computer for a while. It had not run down. So I mean, yeah. if you take that out, that's you know easily four or five, six days. Um, You'll get like an extra two days out of it if you turn it off at night. Yeah, I've been, I, ha- I have been doing that. So I did. I've been doing that because I leave my phone on at night. It's in Do Not Disturb. But even if I take the watch off and put it like my nightstand drawer comes out and it's full of junk, so I throw my pebble in there. It sounds like a bomb going off <laughs> if, it, if it vibrates. <laughs> um, so I've been I've been t- powering it all the way off when I'm not wearing it at night, and that I feel like that's definitely helped. I mean, that's you know six, seven, eight hours at a time where it's just off. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's best to turn it off. Federico, do you have any thoughts, uh, questions, uh, posits, or anything like that to share with us about this topic? Um, not really. Um, I'm just waiting for an Apple Watch, see how much it costs. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm personally, I, I don't think I, I really uh, need notifications on my wrists all the time uh, because I. Sp- spend most of my days at home working and when I'm out I usually don't care about work stuff and if I get a notification that I want to check out when I'm out it's either a message that I need to check out on my phone or a phone call so I don't really see the appeal of being able to glance because I don't have this kind of I don't you know I don't commute I don't I don't walk to get to work. I I really don't need to. Uh, I really don't need to sit, sit up in bed and get your iPad. And I do, I don't need easier access to notifications. Um, and when I'm out, I don't want notifications at all. Um, so we'll see. As I told you guys before, uh, my interest in wearable devices is more about the wearable part rather than the notifications part. Uh, so we'll yeah. see. And- 
And that's an interesting sort of dividing line with the pebble is very much about notifications. Like, yes, you can put some apps on it, but they're very basic. You can control audio from your, to your iOS device. It was actually really cool to like pause a podcast without having to like get my phone if my, if my hands are wet or something. But the pebble, the bulk of what it does is notifications. And you could say that it's, uh, I would say that it's like Apple hasn't really sold us on a single reason the Apple Watch exists, but notifications are a big part of it. But I don't think it's as big of a piece of the pie as it is on the Pebble. So I think the the notifications are going to be a big part of the Apple Watch, but I think that it will do a lot more, you know, than than the Pebble does outside of that. But I still like when you look at the Pebble, like it's pretty easy to see. Like this is for notifications. It's the reason it exists. The Apple Watch, I don't think, is as clear. Like I don't know if Apple's really answered. The question as to why it exists or why someone should buy it, they're kind of saying, hey, it does all these things, and you can pick and choose what's important, and it sounds like to you, Federico, you're more interested, I know from our previous conversations, in the other things it does, and like the notifications might be handy, but not like not the reason you're buying it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll, we will follow up on Pebble stuff over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. We always follow up. On, always. On, on things. I want to take a moment to thank our third and final sponsor for this week's episode of Connected, and that is our friends at Dash. Dash is a super cool website that allows you to quickly create real-time custom dashboards. These dashboards allow you to get a visual overview of important data for your website, business, or even your life. And it does this by allowing you to pull in data from a variety of different sources and turn them into little widgets that you can see all in one page, all on one web page. They have services like App Figures, Google Analytics, GitHub, Twitter, Chartbeat, many more. Maybe you have a, a Why Things scale like Federico does. You can pull that information in. But also, maybe you have some information in a web service or something like that, and you want to pull that in yourself so you have some of your own data. Uh, Dash has an API that allows you to share data from Dropbox or from anywhere around the web and create your own custom widgets too to see basically any information that you want. So let me say, like, for, like give an example of the type of thing that you may use for this. So maybe you have a podcast network called Relay FM. If you did, then you may have the at Relay underscore Relay FM Twitter feed pulled into Dash, along with information about Google Analytics. You know how many people are on the site. Maybe you have the iTunes top charts in there as well, so you can see what's going on in, in that world. Um, and GitHub issues as well, to see what's track, to track what's going on on the site. You can have all of that in. Or maybe you want to create a Dash dashboard for your favorite sports team and have Google News pulled in and their Twitter stream pulled in and stuff like that. Basically, you can pull all this stuff in there and create any kind of experience that you want. The pricing model for Dash is a lot like GitHub. Everyone gets unlimited public dashboards so that you share your live data with the community. There is a, um, a directory of all the different dashboards that are out there and you can go and view them and you can get inspiration or you can actually subscribe to somebody else's dashboard. So you're able, like, so say there is one for that sports team. Somebody's already created it. Well, great, you can just bring it into your account and then you're able to view it whenever you want. But if you upgrade to their pro account, which is $10 a month, you'll also get unlimited private dashboards too. So these are just for you to see. They're not put into the community. So this is where you might want to put all your personal data. Like, for example, the information from your wifing scale, unless you're very open 
Dash is currently running an awesome limited time promotion, though, for listeners of this show. If you sign up for a free account today at thedash.com, you'll also get one private dashboard in addition to your free accounts on limited public dashboards. There's no credit card required, and you keep your private dashboard forever. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be trying this out. I bet you're going to love it. So go sign up right now at thedash.com. Thank you so much to Dash for supporting this show and Relay FM. So what? So Stephen, tell me about what Twitter Hi. did today. So Twitter had a re, uh, a release. Actually, I don't even know if it was a press release. They sometimes sort of just drops things on their support pages. Um, you can find a bunch of links in the show notes. Um, I saw it first on Recode. That basically, gist of the release is that to build, a, and I'm quoting, a more personal Twitter experience. That Twitter is going to begin collecting a list of apps installed on your mobile device and the the list of apps will kind of go into their big machine that decides what ads are most relevant for you and and sort of uh you know make their ad platform more valuable which i have no i i own an ad an ad based you know company like i don't have a problem with the ads at all where it's icky a little bit is that they're collecting a list of applications that you have installed now to be to be fair before we get into this uh, you can turn it off, but it is opt out, which I think is the wrong default. I think it should be not opt out, but it is. Um, they seem to be rolling it out. Some people on Twitter today have said that, hey, I, I can't turn it off. Other people say they, they can't turn it off yet, which is not common, right? Twitter rolls things out slowly. It's a huge service. They can't just flip a switch and everyone get a new setting box. Why? So it seems to be – that's the way – web apps are huge, like – um, mm. and I mean, like the the cynic, which I think Mike you said in our chat earlier, is like they do it so you'll forget about it. Um, they will say that they will notify you about the feature when you've been opted into the feature by giving you a prompt in your app. Okay, I guess. that's not so bad so, then. If they so tell like, me I'm okay with it, I don't care. But I don't use the Twitter out. app; it's not even installed on my phone. So, like, I guess maybe if I log into the web, I'll see it. Um, and I'm not convinced that I'm going to go in. Like I have a bajillion Twitter accounts. I'm not going to go in and turn it off on all these things, but it, it reads like they can't, like I'm not going to be any good to them because I run Tweetbot, which is like a whole nother topic, but that's kind of like the news of the day. They're, they're going to be looking at the apps on your phone and putting that in their ad machine. So I don't went like crazy. It. I don't like it. People went a little crazy. Um, there's a lot of debate on, how they're doing it. Uh, there's a really interesting post by our friend uh, Nick over at Real Max saying that, you know, it's probably by URL schemes, which is a pretty good way to see what's available on your device, but not every app has a URL scheme, so it might not be a perfect picture. Um, it is the only way to look yeah, at the apps that you have installed. Yeah, because there's no there's no manifest that an iOS is available to sandboxed apps. The system has to know what's there, but apps can't really see other apps uh unless an, of an extension or url scheme so uh, it's probably url schemes i mean i agree with you i can't think of another way they're doing it but uh it's it's a little weird uh, and i i tend to agree with mike that it's a little icky but federico you you on twitter had a, a pretty good counter argument so let's let's hear what you had to say 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing new, really, that apps can look at, at your uh, list of installed apps using the, the URL scheme. And uh, on Twitter, I, I shared uh, a screenshot of uh, the Launch Center Pro Action Composer that has a list of all your installed apps. And now I understand that this is really different, that the Launch Center Pro is using the Action Composer as a utility, and Twitter wants to use uh, this data uh, to better... Um, optimize their advertising on, on the Twitter apps. But still, I think that people, at least some people are overreacting to this, uh, you know, coming up with uh, tweets like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this is possible on, on iOS or that Twitter is doing this. Uh, yeah. Because I think that they, they haven't been paying attention. And I think that uh, th what, what, what also annoys me is that uh, I do believe that um, most of these... Um, hate, I would say, uh, is related to the fact that some people like to make fun of Twitter and especially the Twitter app for the iPhone and iPad because they use something like TweetBot and Twitterific. And, uh, and I think that whenever Twitter announces a new feature for the Twitter app, now this is not a feature I understand, but just let me go on with the argument. Every time Twitter announces a new feature, they usually make fun of it or they criticize it. I think that people need to come to terms with the fact that Twitter doesn't care about third-party apps anymore. Either yep. you accept it or you stop using Twitter, I guess, at this point. Uh, because uh, uh, I guess that a hard truth that people don't want to accept is that uh, the Twitter they see in the third-party client is not the real Twitter anymore. It's, um, it's a legacy Twitter. And w it is up to you, I guess, to... to, to to understand that or not, and uh, but but it is undeniable that if you keep using third-party clients, you're gonna miss out on many many parts of the modern Twitter experience. Now, this stuff about the ads, I mean, you can say that it's icky or that it's weird uh, for many many other companies that use uh, ads. You know, you could you could say that about Apple, you could uh, with iAd, or you could say that, of course, about Google. You could say that about Firefox, which now has uh, ads. On the on the on Mozilla on the Firefox homepage, um, so you know I mean you could you could say that it's weird that it's personal. Uh, I don't think that having a list of all your of your installed apps, which by the way is a is a list that many media many other apps can 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 look at, and you don't even know because they, they don't need to ask you for permission uh, to access that list, because it's basically just a, uh, you know looking at a URL and de determining whether that, the, that URL, like tweetbot colon slash slash, can be opened yeah. or not. It's really right. simple. <laughs> and so many other apps can do that. Uh, there yeah, wasn't think, a big deal kind of about the, this before. Yeah, I think that's and, kind of the breaking point, though, of like, who cares if Launch Center Pro can do it, but Twitter is a publicly traded company. Like, I think that's kind of... Yeah, what are they going to do with your data, anyway? I mean, it's a list of installed apps. You could literally have Flappy Bird and Angry Birds and editorial on your phone, and they, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't be able to do anything with it. I guess that... I mean, if the problem is that you don't like the Twitter app, you're not going to see the, the ads in Tweetbot or Twitterific anyway. If it's just a matter of principle, why weren't you upset about the fact that iOS can expose a list of URLs before? Can right. I start now? <laughs> so I, I have been actually. I just actually opened the Twitter app, and in the timeline, it says uh, it, it came up today to me. Um, I haven't got I haven't got it here now, but it was something along the lines of uh, 
Twitter can now uh, Twitter now wants to see your apps to give you a more tailored experience. Uh, review your settings now if you'd like to change this or something. And then it's taken me to mo- to review the settings. The dialogue says uh, tailor Twitter based on my apps. And there's a, a button that says learn more, which takes me to the app graph help center information. I don't like that the it's it's like mainly focused around like it's improving my who to follow suggestions, adding tweets, accounts or other content to your timeline that we think you'll find especially interesting and showing you more relevant promoted content. Like I don't think that there's anything that this is for other than to sell my data to companies for ads. Like that's what this is about. Like that's what people are upset about. Like they are not using they may use this data for other things, but the purpose of this is to sell it. Now, that's the problem. And that, Federico, is why I cannot understand why you're okay with this. Because, yes, Launch Center Pro can view it, but that's for a benefit for me. Twitter are going to take this information and they're going to sell that information about me to... How do you know that it's not a benefit for you? What do you know if maybe someday you discover an app through an ad on Twitter? Oh, my God. This is the problem you have with Google. This is the no, exact it's, same it's thing. Much, Google, Google so... sell your information to advertisers so they can show Seriously, you Google... ads. Oh, are you seriously comparing the fact that Google can read my email to the fact that Twitter can see what installed apps you have on your phone? Nobody's reading your email. It's the same. What do you know? So what? I don't understand why is Twitter creepy and Google is not that they've been doing much, much worse with the kind of content that they get access to. It's the idea. It's like the change of Twitter. Like no, it's the fact that people uh, people are oh. in love with this idea of Twitter seeing through Tweetbot or Twitterific, and that's okay. It's just not Twitter anymore. That's what drives me kind of crazy. But I just I don't like that 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 I don't like that the company's changing. I don't like it. Right? <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's not up to you. That's I know it's not up to me. I'm not saying it is, but it doesn't mean that I can't have emotions about it. I don't like that Twitter is changing. And I don't like that it's changing away from how what I like, and I don't like that it's changing from my perspective for the yeah, worse well. for what I like to use it for. Um, I, I don't like that. Uh, yeah, well, well and I we've seen like, app.net what happened. Exactly. I don't they like... They need to make money in some way. I don't like that they are having... I don't like it when, when like companies change these things on you and they make and they opt you in, right? They just opt you in. And I don't like when I feel that I'm trying to be duped. The idea of like, to make my experience better. It's not, it's not what it's about. Like, you are selling my information to serve ads to me. That's what you're doing. Like, you may be doing these other things, but I can assure you that the reason this is happening is not because they want to show me other accounts to follow. That is a reason. It is not the primary reason. The primary reason is to sell my information so they can make money. So... We clearly feel differently about this, as we do on many things in regards to this topic. I appreciate that this is very much like Google. But when I went in to Google, I expected this. They They were out front with this. This is what they do, right? This is not necessarily what I expected from Twitter. And Twitter's become such an important part of my life. And I can just change email provider and it doesn't change a thing for my life. Because everyone can still contact me and I can still contact everyone. I can change search engine. Again, I can search for the same things that I wanted to search for before. I can't change Twitter. There isn't another one. And if I well, go... They, there used to be, but they went out yeah, but that's Yeah, but that's the problem. Like Anything that <laughs> pops up, it's not the same because all of the stuff that I get out of it, 
is not there. People can't contact me in the same way that they could before. All the things that I like in the company are gone. And I think that's why it upsets people. Other companies, when they do these things like Google, the th- everything that they do, you can just change it. And it doesn't actually have a detrimental impact on you in the same way that this does. If you love Twitter and what you see as Twitter, not, not Twitter the company, Twitter the service, right? The, the API service. If you love that the same way that everybody else does, when it changes and when it looks like it's going to change, it looks like it's slipping away from you, like I feel it as a concern. And like the other thing about this is I'm starting to wonder now how far will I let them go that I wouldn't let other companies go? Like I whatever, like I've turned it off now. I don't care anymore. Like it's done with. But what will they do? Like what could they do? And like, oh, by the way, now we read your DMs and we sell that information. Like, am I okay with that? I don't know. But they're not, they're not doing that. No, no, no. I'm not saying they're things. doing that. I didn't say that. I said, how far could they go, right? So I'm imagining this like 1984 hellscape, right? How far will I let Twitter go before I leave? Like, and, and I think I would let them get away with more than another service like Facebook I mean, I, I, or something. I just don't understand why people are so upset about this while Facebook and Google can do much worse, you know, because by looking people, at your data. But I, I, the reason is, I think, because you <laughs> can go crazy. elsewhere for these other services. No, where can you go elsewhere for Facebook to Google Plus? Yeah, but you just don't have an account. Like, But what my point is, like, if I don't want a Facebook account, like, I can just get rid of it and it doesn't actually make any impact on my life. And I think a lot of nerds are the same because it seems that, like, this Twitter-loving nerd doesn't really use Facebook in the same way as the general public. So it's like, whatever, I'll just let it go. Like, you hear many people don't even have a Facebook account. Like, I have a Facebook account. I only have it for, like, the few people that send me group messages that way and for events that people might send me to. Other than that, like, I don't upload photos there. I don't look at the wall. I don't look at anything. With Gmail's uh, Google stuff, I can just use any of the competing services. It doesn't really affect my life in the same way. If I leave Twitter, I leave Twitter, like not the company, like that service in Tweetbot that I look at all day, every day. And currently there is no replacement for that for me to get a similar or the same experience. That is my concern. Like I understand that what they are doing is the same as so many companies and many companies that I don't have a problem with. And it's... It's not about the fact of of what they're doing. It's my selfish personal problem. My selfish concern about the fact that the service that I love is changing in a way that I didn't want it to change. I appreciate that it's selfish and I don't have any right to tell them what they can or can't do. But it doesn't mean that I can't be upset about it because it upsets where, me. Where does that leave us? <laughs> that's my that's that's my whole point is what I'm trying to say is like what do we do? Like, what do we do? Like, I, I don't think we so, can do anything. And, and is that when a I good say, thing or a bad w- thing? When I say either you get used to it or you leave Twitter, you understand that I, that I have a point, right? Because Oh, yeah, I know. Twitter I'm not saying you don't. You that's what I'm love. saying. Like, that is what doesn't, I'm saying. I'm just coming at it from a different seem... angle to you. You're being more positive about it than I am. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no real alternative to Twitter, right? There, there was app.net, there was Tent uh, is, and we've seen how things have uh, played out there. And if you don't let Twitter become what it wants to become, you're not gonna you're not gonna have the Twitter API that you know and love anymore, anyway, uh, because it needs to make money in in some way, you know. And clearly, you you cannot. You cannot be the service that millions and millions of people use if you put a paywall or, or premium features um, instead of advertisements. 
And honestly, I, I don't think that uh, being able to, to, to see the list of apps that you have installed is as crazy as being able to, maybe that they don't have humans reading email, but still being able to read email or your browsing history or, you know, your thermostat data or, you know, what you do on Google Maps, what you do on Facebook. I honestly don't see the big deal. And I think that a component of all this criticism is the fact that people just don't want Twitter or third-party clients to die. So they kind of conflate the arguments. Uh, Can so I just say one time... more thing on that? Like, yes. So I think one of the other differences and one of the reasons I see this as different is all the stuff that Google sees is information I give to Google. So like they, they don't read my Outlook email. They read my Gmail email. They don't read my Apple Maps data. They read my Google Maps data. The apps on my phone are not inside of Twitter. So like they are reaching out of their app to pull that information from me. Like that is not Twitter's information. If they are reading the tweets that I send, even if they do read the DMs that I send to make that sort of stuff, it's like I'm putting it in there. That, like, what you know? What do I expect? They're a public, public traded company that sells ads. The apps on my phone, that's not their. That is not their data to sell. I'm not giving that to them willingly. I don't put it into their service. They are reaching out, seeing what I use, and selling that information to other people. That is like a for me. That is the problem that I have. I don't care that they sell ads. I care about like on, on the stuff that I write or the content that I put into their system. It bothers me when they are when they are breaking outside of their application to sell that data. That's my concern. That that's what upsets me about it. Okay, so I guess that for me, it falls more into the whatever spectrum. Um, you're more upset. Yeah. So it's interesting how we're the, the, these inverse ways. Like I'm like whatever about Google, but this really upsets yeah. me. It's it's just different differences of opinion and what you think is fair. I don't think this is fair. But but don't you don't you think, Mike, that not just about today's uh, news about the ads and the installed apps? Don't you think that in general, whenever Twitter does anything new to their iOS app, people are upset because it's not coming to the third party API? Yeah, because we want our we want our Twitter to be safe and amazing forever. I appreciate that that is not our decision to make, and that is their decision to make, and we shouldn't be so upset about it. Like this search thing, I think Twitter are well within their right to keep that out of the API. Like that is a compelling reason to use the app. Like, and I think that it's that's their decision. Like, and, I, and I don't think people should necessarily be upset about it. I think that there's a a preconception to hate Twitter in many people not not you mike just in general like of course you gotta despise the new feature that twitter puts in the iphone app because it's evil yeah and that's uh, especially when you don't try the app like like you talk about the twitter app um as a, a as some sort of rumor or legend that you that you, that you heard you know like so many people say oh whatever the twitter app Ugh, you know and they don't they, they never try the app it's, I just don't understand. People are scared. People are scared of, of what, what, of of what Twitter were going to do. No, 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 not the app. Like People are scared that Twitter, the company, is going to take their thing away, right? That's that's I, how people feel I think it's them. inevitable. Like, yeah, I know. Hey, I think hey that's why we're even more scared, because we know it's going to happen. It's just when, right? It's not if. Yeah. Uh, uh, Federico, I agree with you that I have definitely, there's some people I follow on Twitter, like in the Apple space, who are just like, Wash their hands of it instantly. And I think part of that is the fear that, like, Tweetbot or Twitterific or 
whatever you, you use, like we are to whoever's point it was an hour ago, we are legacy Twitter, right? Like we use it the way that Twitter worked back in the day. Like I, for one, can't really imagine the internet without Twitter. Like if Twitter implodes or people move on, like I, unless something replaces it that is very similar, I will miss it. Like it is a very central part of what I do on the internet and like very central to relay success. Like we, all of our fans are on Twitter. We talk to people on Twitter. Like that's how we get the news out about things. It's very weird to think about that going away, but I do think nerds like are more inclined to frown upon this thing because they, because like we do know in the back of our heads, like this is one more thing that like one more stone on the on like the scale and it's going to tip and third party clients are going to be done and it's i think that's inevitable and what makes it weird is like i know that i'm going to like have to use the twitter app not from a perspective of like they do all these things that are kind of weird i'm kind of in between the two of you on this but like i don't don't want to use the twitter app it's just not in my opinion an app that i don't enjoy using it i have used it for periods of time in the past i don't like the way that it works um i like the way tweetbot works you know like so it kind of clicks with the way i think and so that's part of it too right like i have this habit of using this app that works the way i like it and one day that'll probably stop but at the end of the day to someone's point like twitter is a company that do have to make money they're publicly traded they have to monetize their service or the whole thing is bust right like i'd rather have twitter in the official app and be annoyed than have no twitter at all and they have to figure out how to make their business work. And I'm sure it's a very expensive business to run. And they're trying to get things you know, out the doors to get that income back. So I don't, I don't think that Twitter's evil for trying to make money. I, Mike, I think you said it really well that the dividing line is that you're not putting this information into Twitter. It's pulling it in from you. I think that's a really interesting relationship there that you pointed out i think that's like i hadn't really thought about that way i think that is one reason i I feel it's a little weird because like the app is reaching out and doing something on my device and i'm not like i know that like when i go to facebook and i'm giving the facebook machine information about me and i'm doing that voluntarily i'm actually doing it because my family members make me but more or less voluntarily (laughs) um where an app doing things on my phone and like props for them like I, i truly mean this like i'm a good move to alert you that they're doing it. Cause if they did it without telling you that would be like really bad. And if it came to light, it would be a PR disaster. Um, so I don't know. Like I think this is one more step towards like those of us in legacy land getting drug into what Twitter's future is. And like, that's not great, but I'd rather that than not have the service anymore. So I don't know. I love the timing too, like the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> Facebook did doing. the same. Like I think yesterday, like they updated yeah, they their, their privacy pri- policy. Yeah, Slack did too. Um, I don't know, guys. I may have a problem. Maybe I just don't understand people. Like I don't understand why. How can you not miss? entire parts of the Twitter experience in third-party clients and not at least be curious to see what's up in the official app. Like, like you cannot send pictures in DMs in, in Tweetbot and Twitterific. And Twitterific doesn't even show you tweets with multiple photos in the timeline. They don't show you 
animated GIFs. I, I guess the Tweetbot does now. They're like you're missing out on on dozens of features, and people just don't care. I go like, in and look every now and then, but like I don't like the way that it handles remembering my place in the timeline. For example, I don't like that. Like so, I, just for that? No, no, no. But that's a key thing for me, Federico. Like that is something that is really important for me it it took me away from using twitterific and into tweetbot like that's something for me is is really important i i, I like that i mean because you know a lot of people are tweeting while i'm asleep and i wake up in the morning and i like to read back from where i left off like that's one thing that that's not the main thing it is a thing it's a big thing um and that's something that i really like um there are things about the layout of the Twitter app that I don't like. You know, I don't like that. Like the favorite button is like right there, and I keep hitting it whenever I'm scrolling through. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of little things, but the Twitter app does some stuff a lot better. I really like the um, notification view. I think it's fantastic. You know, like the way it shows someone retweeted a tweet that you were mentioned in. Like nowhere else can give you that information. Like I really like that. Like I think it's I think it's really good. I love the way the profile view looks. I think it's way better than any third party client. There are things that I like, but unfortunately the things that I don't like are some of the like the biggest things that I use. Like I don't like that when I just did it now, when it loads a gap, it pushes the data down. Like that's not the way I read Twitter. I read Twitter from bottom up. So then I have to just go find it. And and that again, that was something that has made me switch around and move clients before. So, you know, I also don't like the blue line thing, but maybe I just need to get used to that because you said that you liked that. It made me discover so many tweets that I missed. Yeah. Like, so, like, like, like in practice, it's it's useful. Like I'm, I'm grown up enough, I think, to appreciate that there are some things that I don't like because I'm not used to them. But there are some things that I know I don't like because I've tried them this way before in other apps that weren't a Twitter app and I don't like it. Like the gap detection and the way that it loads in new tweets and stuff like that. I don't like that because I don't like the way that that works. Um, but yeah, I, I I appreciate what you're saying about the way that people kind of poo-poo the, the Twitter app because it's the Twitter app. Um, yeah, because they bought Tweety and because they change it, you know. This is not, of course, about you, Mike. I know that at least you have some degree of curiosity to, to check out the app every once in a while, but there's really people who, you mentioned the Twitter app and they're like, oh my God, you use the Twitter app? You of all people? Like it's some sort of, I don't know, some sort of sign? It is yeah. kind of crazy because it's like, you, know, is you it are... crazy? I, I mean, okay, I'm talking to developers, right? So I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of developers because I'm trying new apps and they're asking me via DM, hey, did you check out the app? And maybe I stumble across a bug. So I send a screenshot in a DM. Isn't that useful? Yeah, I but mean, it's just awesome. like you are this, you know, you, you are like the poster child of, of power apps. And this is a power app. Yeah. <laughs> That's my point. In its own ways. Uh, That's but... my point. That's what people don't understand. It is a power app. When it lets you do all this stuff, it is a power app. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a power app in a different way, though. Like, Tweetbot has more <laughs> power in ways that the official app does, and vice versa. Like, I'm not saying that Tweetbot and Twitterific don't have their own um, useful features. And, in fact, I'm working on... So, I told you guys, I'm working on this uh, huge article about Twitter clients. I've been working on this, taking notes for months. And there are two features, primarily. Uh, timeline sync... And the fact that you can use the share sheet 
uh, in the in Tweetbot and Twitterific, and the Tweetbot maybe has a non-modal web view. Uh, then there's the, like the other stuff like like Tweetbot lets you filter out hashtags and and keywords, which can be huge for some people, I guess. Although I gotta wonder why don't you just unfollow people if you're so annoyed by some tweets. But anyway, I, I guess that it, Twitter is a really personal experience. And I guess, like, I totally understand. I totally understand why you want to use Tweetbot, why you want to use Twitter. If it, like, I don't, uh, I don't judge, you know? I mean, everybody can use their own client. I'm just saying that it looks like Twitter, the, the future of Twitter may be not an API. And this is not, uh, and it looks like, statement. This is an objective statement. Many features of modern Twitter are not available in other apps. So when I say you're missing out on a huge part of the modern Twitter experience, that's not something that you can say that's not true, because it is true. Uh, And so that's my point. That's why I don't understand why some people wouldn't say, okay, yeah, I'm missing out on many features of Twitter. Maybe I should just, you know, give this up a chance and see what's up. And and I don't know why. I don't know why because they're like scared to. to I mean, it's it's a it's a free app, and, and and so I thought about it, and I and I guess that if you're so upset about Twitter doing these kind of changes, and if you're so upset about the app, and and it's a, I mean, when I tweet about this stuff, when I when I talk about this stuff, when I write about Twitter clients, I get so many emails and tweets from. People who seem, who sound at least, they sound angry and upset because they say, you, you use the Twitter app, you should be like ashamed. And I just don't get it, you know, because it's just a Twitter app and people are so upset. This is what we get upset about though. These are the things, you know, the apps people use. I mean, it doesn't really make sense uh, to me at least. Uh, Like I understand why you prefer another app, but why would you, would you go all the way out to to send me an email or to send me a tweet just to say I can I cannot believe you use the Twitter app, or like to say oh the Twitter app is a piece of you know that kind of stuff, like it, there's no need to, and especially especially when you say I don't even want to try the Twitter app. Okay, have th- you that ever makes been sense. on the internet? <laughs> I I have been I have been. It just surprises me that people would be upset for a Twitter client. Hey, people get upset about weirder things than that, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've been I've been on the internet. I've I've seen weird stuff. I've seen weird people. Just never weird people about Twitter clients. That, that that was a new one for me. So, yeah, I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of people come out of the woodwork now. To, oh to tell yeah, you. yeah. Oh, especially after I I published the article. Uh, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Uh, you know, especially with the features. Like when it comes to features, you cannot object features. They're they're either there or they're not. So I got that going for me. You know, that's a uh, good stuff. I, I like when you cannot object points. Time to wrap up. I know it's been a good episode of Connected when I have a headache. Today is one of those days. If you would like to find the show notes for this week's episode, you want to open your web browser and point it at relay.fm slash connected slash 15. Don't forget to check out our store. We'll love you very much if you do. That's store.relay.fm. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, the great people over at Drafts, Studio Neat, and Dash. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I host many shows over at Relay.fm. You should check them out if you haven't already. 
Federico is at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes the fantastic MacStories.net. And my co-founder at Relay FM, Mr. Stephen Hackett, he is at ISMH on Twitter, and he writes the great 512pixels.net, where you can find more coverage of Stephen's attempts at using a pebble, if you would like, and uh, Federico will one day write the book about, about Twitter app experiences, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, forward to reading very much and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about it on this show when that happens until then thank you so much for listening we'll be back next time bye bye arrivederci adios